0: Amen. That is an awesome video, it really is. We showed that some time ago, several years ago, and I found it again this week. I actually about yesterday and emailed Ryan and said, Hey, will we stick that thing in. Good morning, Merry Christmas to you. We are so glad that you're here today. We had a great crowd last night. I guess you could say at our first worship service last night. And how many of y'all came back this morning? How many of y'all are there last night? Cool. A whole bunch of y'all. Great. Well, thanks for coming back this morning. And uh, any similarities you hear in the message is not intentional at all. But like I told Brother Jim, I said, boy, Jim, it's the same message. He goes, what other message is there is that Jesus was born at Christmas. Amen? So, yo, here's the thing about you know, love presents at Christmas. Again, you saw the ultimate present right there. But you know, you hit a home run when when someone comes up to you. Now, I've asked several people. Yo, what did you get for Christmas? And somebody got an American doll. Cooper back here got an American doll, and Mike over here got some cool looking shoes and a watch. And but I've not had anyone run up and say these words. Guess what I got for Christmas? And you know, at that moment, you don't know what it is. In fact, Sarah loves to do this to me. She goes, Dad, guess what? I said, um, there's an earthquake in China. She goes, Dad, I'm going, Well, I don't know. But, but you know, you know, you don't know what the gift was, but you know one thing. Someone hit a home run. Someone bought a present that so rung that person's bell that they could not wait to tell someone else what they got for Christmas. Well, that is exactly what God did the first Christmas morning. God hit a home run and it's our job by the way in case you haven't figured out it's our job as believers once we know this gift to go around telling others guess what i got for christmas the greatest gift ever and it is the lord jesus christ it compelled paul to write in second corinthians nine fifteen. thanks be to god for his indescribable gift literally in the greek that word means this beyond words Paul said when it came to the sacrificial death and the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, when it it came to God himself strapping on a human body, when it came to to God himself laying in a little manger bed, it was beyond words. He just could not find the words to describe it. So I want to tell you today, part of that story, once again, a message we've entitled this morning, The Big Story. Because really, and, and the angels speaking to the, to the shepherds, you hear it all. You hear what really is the big story. And leading into next week, as we start our annual theme, as you see on the wall here, His Story, My Story, as we look at the whole God story from Genesis to the book of Revelation. So so when a baby's born, you, of course, want to make an announcement, okay? You kind of make the announcement when you find out you're pregnant. You kind of make the announcement when you find out what sex it is. But when the baby is born, you have to make a birth announcement. And that's exactly, again, what God did. So God said, I've got to tell somebody that my son has become a human, that my son strapped on human flesh, so he did a birth announcement. And I can imagine God there going, now who should we tell? He said, we could tell Rome. No, not Rome. Rome would simply see it as a threat. All, all Rome could see, if, if God had gone or if God had sent an angel to Caesar himself and said, Hey, I've got great news for you. A new king has been born. Okay, certainly that would have been a threat to Rome, as it was to Herod. Because Herod later on under this threat has all the children two years old and under, all the boys, uh, killed in Bethlehem. So Rome wouldn't have been a good idea. I know, I know. We'll go to the church and tell them. Oh, no, wait a minute. That's not a good idea either. Because the scribes and the Pharisees are so self-righteous, if I told them I sent them a Savior, they'd go like, a what? Uh Who needs saving? I mean, we go to church nine times a week. We give tithes and we fast and we do all these cool things. I mean, I mean, who needs a Savior? So, so that probably wouldn't work. He said, I could tell her family, but they weren't there. They were back in Nazareth, so that wouldn't work. Uh, we, we could tell the friends, we could tell the friends, oh, wait a minute, they're not the, there either. And honestly, if we told them that the unmarried woman had a baby, they would probably want a stoner. So that probably wouldn't work either. So God's kind of going down this list and finally goes, the shepherds, the shepherds. So he decides to do the birth announcement through the most unlikely people in the world, as we kind of touched on last night. And we find this in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to verses 8 through 11, and here's what happens. The Bible says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. So here we have the shepherd thing going on, and they're kind of on the night shift, and they're watching over their sheep to keep the wolves away and all those different things, okay? And the Bible says that an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Now, you really got to understand, shepherds, I wasn't being a... exaggerant last night when I said the shepherds were were pretty much low life. You know, there's really a caste system. And, you know, I told you about before. I told you that, you know, the the scribes and Pharisees are at the top of the pile. And then there's the ordinary folks that went to church pretty regularly. And then there are the everyday kind of sinners, like, you know, like normal sinner people. And then the tax collectors at the bottom of the pile. Remember that? Well, somewhere between the tax collectors and the prostitutes were shepherds. They were not welcome in the temple area. They were excluded from religious worship. But most of all, they were, they were seen as untrustworthy. In fact, they were seen as thieves. Um, you know, I, I went in 1990, uh, 2003, I went to Bulgaria. And we happened to work with the Roma people. And the Roma people in Bulgaria and actually in Europe are the gypsies. And they're people who are just not trusted at all. They're, they're known for thieves. They're outcasts. And then when God called us to Africa, the people group he called us to were the Torek. And they're not trustworthy either. They were excluded from the, because they had rebelled against the French, they're excluded from religion all those different things, and they're kind of the outcast of that group. Well, who does God choose to tell about the birth of Jesus? These thieves, these low class, these, these nobodies that live outside of society, in fact, live in the field next door. And, and you wonder why you know, I think, I think maybe because he realized they would be most receptive to the news. See, I I was trying to think of an illustration for this. Suppose that someone brought to your house. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's the day before Christmas. And the appliance store truck. Now, Mike nailed me last night. He said, Dwayne, you said the S word six times in the service. I said, what? Yeah, Sears he did after church i said at least i didn't say kenmore he said it would be k and that means kill (laughs) but anyway so the appliance store truck pulls up into your driveway on christmas eve and the back of the truck they haul in this huge 60 inch led 3d 360 megahertz television now for some of us geek guys Woo, come on, baby, bring that puppy on in. We don't know who the benefactor is, but God bless him. But not all people would say that. What if you didn't watch TV? Well, what, if, what if that wasn't even on your radar? You'd go, what in the world am I going to do with a 60-inch television? And, and some of you, you know, who, for instance, um, maybe have four televisions. I mean, suppose you just bought a 60 inch, two four, three sixty, fifty-five, you know, whatever numbers you want to throw out there, and it shows up your house and you go, What am I gonna do with that? Done got one. fact, got four of them. But what if you didn't have one? What if your TV was a 19 inch, come on now, black and white. Anybody remember black and white? In fact, it's so old. You've got to stand up to change the channels. Yeah, I told my son-in-law, I said, did you know we're so old that our first TV was a 19-inch, and it was black and white, and we had to get up and change the channels? And that's all we had until somebody gave us a color TV when we got back to America for Germany, and the only color it had was green? And finally, oh, blessed day, light struck my television." And the insurance company brought me one with a remote control and had more than one color. I was blessed. I was blessed. What if you're in that condition and that kind of equipment shows up in your driveway? You get excited and go, whoop, woo ooh!" because you see the need. And that's why God said this to his shepherds. They realized that they were outcasts. They realized that they were sinners. They realized that they were dishonest. And I think God chose them because He says, here's somebody who will appreciate the gift. But the angel shows up, and it scares them out of their mind. Like they're, whoa! Okay, but watch. Watch what happens. The Bible says in verse number 10, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. This is so cool. An angel shows up to Mary and says, Don't be afraid. An angel shows up to Joseph and says, Don't be afraid. The angel shows up to the shepherds and says, don't be afraid. It's like the message of Christmas is don't be afraid. And, and when God shows up, the angel's basically saying, Hey, I know this is kind of freaky. You know, you guys are shepherds. You don't normally see angels on your watch. I know this is kind of scary. But hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. In fact, here's why. I have brought you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. Because I've got literally the translation is not good tidings, as our New King's translation says, or the King James says. It is good news. I have brought you good news that's going to cause you great joy and it's not just for you, it's for all people. Now this is cool. See, they were raised in a society where rules were a really important part of the game. I mean, God gave a certain set of rules and the Pharisees said, that is not near enough. And they came up with, are you ready? Six Hundred more rules. Six hundred more. This is so cool. Now I said I was going to keep this twenty minutes, but you can't tell stories and keep it twenty minutes. But we were watching that home that home program, you know, home and garden television. And it's one called Kitchen Cousins, where they go and design kitchens, and there was an Orthodox Jew family in there that were wanting a new fam- new uh, new kitchen. And they had to have a kitchen. Okay, watch this that had two sinks, two stoves, two refrigerators, and two dishwashers. Because to be kosher, you couldn't mix the dairy and the meat. Now, God didn't say that. I, I promise you, hang on just a second. J- just give me a second here. I'm in Leviticus. Thou shalt have two dishwashers. but nope, it's not here. That was a rule that the Pharisee guys came up. The Orthodox Jews came up with that and put that pressure on them. You know, the church has done the same thing. We have put so many rules. You know, I promise you, if I say, I've got great news for you, thou shalt not. That doesn't necessarily sound like good news. Hey, you know, i got good news for you. You can't. i got good news for you. And by the way, there's some things you shouldn't do. But that's not the good news. You can't. You shouldn't. You won't. you got to do this. you got to do that. That's what the world hears from the pulpits today is God is about keeping the rules. God's all for keeping His rules. Can I have an amen? His rules, just not our rules. So I've got great news for you. And this news is going to cause great joy in your hearts. And it's going to go beyond you to all people. Well, what's the good news? And here it is. Verse 11, for there is born to you this day in the city of David in Bethlehem, right out, you know, just, they're outside of town, outside of Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, now, let me talk about one part there. Christ the Lord. Christ is the word for Messiah. And every Jew, even the low-life shepherds, had been taught somewhere along the way that there was a Messiah coming. And they looked for that Messiah. Now, in their world, Messiah meant freedom. We can finally get rid of Rome. They missed the concept that Messiah, Isaiah 53, they missed the concept that Messiah was going to be a suffering Messiah. That when the Messiah came and was born... They totally missed Isaiah 53. They said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. They didn't see this at all. They totally missed that. But to the shepherds, the concept that Messiah had been born meant that a game changer had been born. And Jesus Christ is, was, and forever will be a game changer in this world. Jesus didn't overthrow the Roman government. I mean, when he died on the cross, it was Rome who crucified him. And I know, I know, when we bring God into a scenario, we instantly think he's a game changer in the sense that we want him to be. But God is God. God is God. He's got his plan he's working out. And he wasn't a game changer in the sense that Rome was going to be overruled, but he was a game changer in the sense that sin and death would be overruled forever. A Savior was born. And see, the shepherds understood the concept limitedly of Savior. They understood that there was someone born who could help them with their sin problem. And that's what Christmas is all about. That when the baby was born and he grew to be a boy, and then ultimately, 33 or 30 years old, he became a national figure there in that area. And he had three years of ministry. And those three years, he healed and he fed people and did miracles validating who he was. That he was the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. And then Isaiah 53 was fulfilled. And when he was 33 years old, God's plan was fulfilled. And he nailed him to a Roman cross. And he died. But he didn't die without purpose. In fact, they couldn't even kill him. I love that part of the Christmas story. They couldn't kill him. That's why he had to say, it is finished, and he gave up His life. I love when Jesus said, I have power to lay my life down and I have power to take it up again. Wow. I had the power to die and the power on the third day to come back to life. Is that incredible or what? That's the story of Christmas. Come on. Yeah, I dare you to pause on Christmas Day. That's the story of Christmas. So they said, a Savior is born this day. And they realized their need. The shepherds did. And Jesus becomes real to us when we realize our need. You know, the story down at the bottom of the sermon sheet says this. There could be many reasons why God would have chosen to send His Son. Consider for a moment. If our greatest need was for information, God would have sent an edu- educator. If our greatest need was for technology, God would have sent an inventor. If, God's gra- if our greatest need was for entertainment, God would have sent a performer. If our greatest need was for money, God would have sent a banker. But since our greatest need was for forgiveness, God sent a Savior. And, and Rome, Rome didn't see that. And can I be very honest with you? The Jewish hierarchy didn't see it. In fact, they did see Jesus as a threat, and God used that don't really have Him on a cross to die. Most of the average person just didn't see their need. It was a gift that they didn't know that they needed. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, you've seen Him before, you probably don't remember. A long time ago, back when, oh, probably Sarah and... Sarah may have been born. I don't know. She uh, she was probably just a kid, like like one or two years old. So that's 1991. I was feeling really mancho when Christmas. I said, Pood, I want a hammer for Christmas. Now, I had a hammer. I mean, hammer. Sixteen ounces of pure steel. One of the aluminum handle jobs with a big rubber pad. I wanted to beat nails. So Christmas Day came. And I wrapped my little friend here. I don't know how well you can see that, but it's a girl hammer. You don't pound 16 penny nails for this little fella. And I remember being the gentle husband that I was, being very diplomatic, saying, Judy, why didn't you buy me this for? I wanted a hammer. I want to beat nails, not tap, tap. Don't remember her response. Did you give me anything next year for Christmas? I don't, I don't know about that. That may have been the beginning of, you are so hard to buy for. I don't know. But anyway, so I had this little baby hammer. And then one day, and I don't remember what it was and it doesn't matter, I was hanging picture frames. And I needed a hammer. So I went down to my, uh, to my workroom out in the barn and there laying was my little girl hammer. And I said, "You know what? I looked at my fingers, how size they were, and the small nail, and I said, that will be just about right." And I used my little friend, the girl hammer. And you know what? I don't remember anything else she got me for Christmas, probably even 2 years ago. But back in 1991, when I didn't know I needed a girl hammer, and she brought me one, I remember the story, and I still use it today because she gave me something I didn't even know I needed. You know why? You know, they let Brent mess with power tools. Not me. <laughs> I, I found out I drive a whole lot more tax to hang pictures. Than I do 16 pound nails, 16 pound nails. I don't need a big hammer because I'm not a carpenter. I'm more of a picture hanger person. I just didn't know that I needed it. And you know what? The world is filled today day with people who don't realize what they need. They say, my life would be so much better if I had so much more money. If I lived in a better place. Had a different car. Had a different job. A different boss. A different this or a different that. And God says, you know, those things are cool. But you know what your greatest need is? Your greatest need is in a personal relationship with me. And that's the gift I sent you. That's the present. I sent you. I sent you a Savior. And you know what's really cool? If I understand it right in the Bible, here's what makes Jesus so great. That when I received him, when I became a Jesus follower, for me it was 1975, October. I I got a new past. I bet if I were to ask you, how many of you got some things in your past? Woo, you wish you'd wrote that story different. Yeah. Did you know that when you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, not necessarily the consequences, but the penalty of that past was done away with? Here's what Jesus says. You know, Isaiah said, let's reason together about this. Let's talk about this. Let's, let's have a debate about this. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They, though they be red, uh, red and crimson are, are symbols of, of intense sin, they shall be as wool. And the day you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, all your past sin, your present sin, and your future sin are all forgiven. That's something all of us need. Because the Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone has offended holy God. And God says, I'll take care of that. By the death of my son on the cross, I will give you forgiveness of sins." So he gives us a new past. Did you know he gives you a new present? Not like that present Today. It's hopeful. It doesn't mean you get everything you want. It's hopeful. Donnie just shared with me that his niece, 55 years old, they found her dead. Totally unexpected. What a, what a game changer that was for that family when they received the news for that dad, his brother. That his daughter had died suddenly. God doesn't change death. But he can't change the effect of death. See, we still live in this imperfect world. And we created this imperfect world. If I remember right from Genesis, God created the perfect world. We're the one who made it imperfect. And I know we would like for God to make everything perfect. But he said, rather than do that, I'm going to give you someone who will walk with you through this imperfect world. And that's Jesus. Who said, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. So he helps me in my present. In that future, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. really don't. But I know this. I do know this. That ultimately, one day, it's going to be okay. It may be this side of heaven. It may be that side of heaven. But it's okay. So God says, I'm going to give you this gift. And it's going to take care of your past. It's going to help you in your present and it's going to take care of your future, and those are three concerns that all of us have. You don't know it; you think you want a big old hammer. God says, "No, you want you want this. You need, and what you really want is a savior. How do you get that? This is so cool, Blake. This is your Christmas present from me and Judy. Don't leave it here today. This has a name tag. This is to Blake from my mom and papa." Judy and I. And, um, and so we're, if I can remember to get home, okay, sometime today, probably about 4 o'clock, we're going to be giving out gifts at my house. And and I'll, I may be the one. Someone else may be the one. But we're going to say, um, let's say it's me. Okay, I'm going to say, okay, Blake, this one's yours. And and what's the email's got? Now, now, I paid for this. I paid for this. I made the money that paid for this. I bought this. Pooter wrapped it. Who ordered it, but I made the money. So, so if I give you this, Blake, there's no charge. Okay? The price has been paid. Okay? So I've got this. It's got his name on it. The price has been paid for it. It's absolutely free. But in order for Blake to get this gift, at some time today, he's going to have to reach out. I'm going to hold it out to him, and he's going to have to take it in his hands and receive it. And that's what you've got to do with Jesus. The price has been paid. The price has been paid for your sin. He offers it no matter where you are in your economic world or in your um, place where you live or your skin color, whatever it is. The price has been paid. But you have got to receive the gift. He's got a present today with your name on it if you've never received it. Your name's on it. But you've got to take that. And it's good news. Because it's not about keeping rules. It's not about you ought you gotta. It's about for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And today I can't illustrate it. I couldn't last night. That word believe in is two small Greek words put together. And and I learned in the sermon I listened to this week, That nowhere else in Greek literature are these two words used together. There's a word for believe that means like I believe in Santa Claus in the Greek language. Okay? But there's not this concept until John put it together in John chapter 3 and verse number 16. It's this. To believe means to lean into, to put your trust in. At this point now, I say, I believe in that chair. You're saying, hey, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus, okay? Okay? But to lean into and to put your trust into means you've got to go further than here and actually take action. So you could do this and say, okay, I partially believe. I got part of my weight on my leg. I got partially on that. That's not what John said in John 3.16. It means to move on over and put your entire weight on the chair. Now I fully trust the chair. And when John said, whoever believes in Him, it means to put your full weight, your full trust in Him. It means it's believing that you're a sinner, that you sinned against Holy God, and that Jesus was born and He died for you and resurrected the third day. And if you ask Him to, if you put your trust in Him, He will forgive your sins. And you have the high, incredible privilege. Doesn't mean your life is going to be perfect. It won't be perfect. But you had the high, incredible privilege of coming to relationship with Holy God. And how cool is that? The guy, the God who put it all together, the God who made all the stars, the God who made the earth, 6,000 different kinds of beetles, that God says, you can come into relationship with me. I will call you son or daughter, and you can call me Abba Father. You can call me Daddy. That's incredible. And you simply do it by asking and receiving. Would you bow your heads right there where you are? I really don't know where you are in your life today, and that's cool, that's okay. But if you've never trusted in, leaned toward, put your faith in Jesus Christ, Today, maybe you've got an understanding of the fact that God became flesh and that he was nailed to a cross for the first time and that you can have a relationship with God the Father. We're going to have Brother Brent. come down front just a moment. We're going to have a time of invitation. See, God's invited you to the birthday party. And we're going to give you the chance to respond to that. Just come down and take Brent by the hand and say, Brent, I know this is Christmas and what a crazy time, huh? No, it's a great day to receive a gift, I say. Brent said, Brent, I want to know this Jesus. I want to trust in. I want to put my weight in. I want to lean into Him. Believing He's the Son of God and He died for me. And we got some friends who will pray with you today. And today you can go home with the greatest gift ever. Today you can go home and tell someone, guess what I got for Christmas? Guess what I got for Christmas? And maybe you're here today. And maybe you're looking back on a Christmas past. You got the gift. Maybe it's a good day just to thank God all over again for what he gave you. Maybe it's just a good day to say, Hey, God, Dwayne reminded me today about what a great gift it was you gave me. And I know there's some hurting hearts. Donnie's heart's heavy with this niece. Again, some of you are facing your first Christmas without your loved one here. Some of you are disappointed the way this year ended. It just didn't turn out like you wanted to. If we can help you pray through that, man, we'd be so glad to. But I want you to know you can make your altar right there. And I just want to challenge you. You know God loves you. Come on, you know that. I know you're disappointed. But you know God loves you. Look in your heart. Tell Him your hurts. He can handle it. He can even handle it on Christmas Day. He can handle it. And what you're going to find there is an Abba Father who invites you, if you will figuratively, to crawl up into His lap And He just wants to love on you just a little bit. You may leave here with no more answers than you had. But I leave here knowing that He loves you. Thanks, God, for the privilege of sharing this incredible story once again. I pray it will never, never grow old. Thank you that we didn't get a banker. We didn't get an entertainer. We didn't get an educator because that does not solve the ultimate problem, and that is sin in our lives, that you sent a Savior, and his name is Jesus. For my friend who just never met him yet, may today be the day when he gets to come to the birthday party and he gets to say, guess what I got for Christmas. For my brothers and sisters, may we live here today just incredibly blessed for the gift that we receive sometime and our past. And may this morning be like the first Christmas morning, fresh and new. Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.